There is a pervasive problem in the maternity world that is causing problems for far too many women. It is the number one thing I get messages about in one way or another. What is that thing? It's C-sections. I'm sure you probably guessed that. So today we're going to start digging in to what needs to be done and what we can do to keep this from being such a problem for us. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. Mama, did you hear the news? Last week, I launched the Your Birth, God's Way Christian Childbirth Education Replay Edition so that now you can actually get instant access to the entire live course that we did earlier this summer. You're going to get 12 months of access to the entire course, which includes all eight of the video courses. It's more than 20 hours of content ready to go at your fingertips, audio downloads of the classes to take with you on the go, two relaxation tracks to help you practice calming your mind and focusing on God as you approach your birth, printable handouts for all the classes, affirmation cards that have reminders on them to help you block out all of that negative and keep your eyes fully focused on God, a nutrition worksheet to go on with the module about nutrition, which is, I'm talking about crammed, crammed, full of information on how to keep yourself low risk by giving your body the foods that God designed you to have. And the best part is that you are going to get 12 months of opportunities to attend live question and answer sessions with me where I'm going to answer the questions that you submit to me each month. You're going to get to interact directly with me to make sure that you get the answers that you need in a way that you're going to understand and be able to apply to your own situation. So even though this course covers everything under the sun, I'm talking about everything. You will be hard pressed to find a question to ask, to be honest, because we really do talk about everything. But just in case you've got that one question that is just above and beyond what we talk about in the course, you're going to get a chance to ask it each month and have live answers directly from me, tailored to whatever it is that you need. You're going to get a year's worth of answers, which that means that not only are you going to get the time while you're pregnant, but you're also gonna have some time to ask me questions when you're well into your postpartum period and your breastfeeding journey. So it's, nobody's pregnant that long, right? Nobody's pregnant for 12 months. So if you're getting 12 months of access, that means you're getting your entire pregnancy plus some time on into your postpartum and breastfeeding time. So what more do you need? What more could you ask for? You're also gonna get to benefit from all the questions that the mom is in the live course asked. So they've got questions that they had that will probably apply to your situation. And then you can also ask your own questions and soak up 
just so much information. You can ask anybody who took the course. I had so much I wanted to share and I poured so much into the courses. Some of them even went long. But the good thing is because you have instant access, you'll be able to stop and start and replay and do whatever it is that you need to be able to fully absorb all of that good content that's going to help you to have your birth the way that you want it and the way that God designed you to have it. So don't delay anymore. Go on over to yourbirthgodsway.com slash replay course and get signed up and you will be able to get started today. And I'm so excited to see you in that first question and answer session coming up soon. I am struggling with how to even get this episode started. Honestly, I don't really know where to start with it. A majority of the emails and messages that I get from people like you who contact me revolve around this problem of people wanting a VBAC, a vaginal birth after C-section, who are being told that they, quote, aren't allowed to do that. So what do I address? Do I go talk about the VBACs or the fact that so many moms are having cesareans done on them that are leading to even needing to have the VBAC? Do we go how to prevent C-section or do we go how to actually get to have a VBAC? It's so frustrating that we even have to have this conversation, but here we are. So even as I start this, I'm not 100% sure where to take this or where to begin. So I guess I think I'm going to start to try to first address the problem of primary C-sections. And that means that very first C-section. It doesn't necessarily mean the first pregnancy that you have, or it might mean that, but it means whenever you have that first C-section, assuming that you plan to have more children later. This is probably going to take more than one episode just because it's so much content and I don't like to let the episodes go too long because I know how busy you are. So just hang in there with me. If I start to get into something that you're wanting to hear more about, there's probably going to be another episode coming that'll talk about it. So just work with me, bear with me as I try to tackle this beast of a topic that we shouldn't even have to talk about. But again, here we are. So let's kind of first talk about the problem at hand. According to the CDC, which y'all know what I think about the CDC, but they still put out some statistics that can be useful from time to time. According to the CDC, the C-section rate in 2022 was 32.1%. And that statistic was unchanged from 2021. So it's pretty steady. Let's first establish that clearly God designed our bodies to be born vaginally. That's not a surprise. We know that surgery is not his design. And while that is true, the discovery and the implementation of C-sections has saved many lives. We won't deny that at all. When applied appropriately in the right situations, C-sections are a lifesaver, sometimes for moms, sometimes for babies, sometimes for both. By contrast, though, since our national rate is 32.1%. And by the way, your state is going to vary and there are ways to find out those statistics as well. You should look that up. What is your state's C-section rate? What is your hospital C-section rate? All these statistics are out there for you to get. But by contrast to what the nation has, let's look at 40 years of history at the farm. Most of you probably know what the farm is. It is a, started out as a collective, a, um, 
a commune, I guess would be the best word. I don't know if that's how they would describe it or not. But regardless, it was a group of people who came here from California, I believe back in the 70s. And over the course of years, they were having babies and delivering each other's babies. And they were studying about birth and things of that nature. And over time, they became kind of the place to go to have natural birth because they supported it and believed in it so much from their experiences. The C-section right there, over 40 years of history from 1970 to 2010 was 1.7%. Out of 2,844 births, only 50 of those ended in a C-section. 1.7% compared to 32.1% nationally. This is just a snapshot, but it details the vast difference that the type of care that you receive during your pregnancy can make in outcomes. Is it that the people at the farm just have better pelvises and they just are better able to have babies? Or is it that the type of support that they receive is more conducive to having their babies the way that they were designed to have them? So the VBAC rates, the vaginal birth after cesarean rates, the VBAC rates climbed. I love that. In the article I was looking at, it said that they climbed to 12.8% in 2018. 12.8%. So that means that out of... Every 100 people, it's kind of hard to do because I'm about to divide a person into a fraction. Let's say out of 1,000 people, 128 of those were able to have the VBAC that they wanted. Let's compare that to the success rate at the farm was 20, or excuse me, was 96.8%. 96.8% of the people who tried to have a VBAC at the farm had one. And only 12.8% that tried to have VBACs outside of the farm had them. I realize the differences in numbers. I realize statistical significance and all that comes into play. But but the point is 96%, 96 96.8%, almost 97% of the people who wanted to have a VBAC at the farm had one. And only 12%, almost 13% elsewhere. Sadly, the determining factor of having the outcome of the birth that you want to have and that God designed you to have is the location and the provider, not your actual situation. That is what those statistics tell us. Where you are and who you are with matters more than maybe anything else. Some practitioners are happy to support the option of a TOLAC, which is trial of labor after C-section, while others outright ban it. But the problem is, as a non-medical person who's listening to this podcast, how are you to know what's really going on? Do you truly need the C-section that they're telling you that you need? Or are you putting yourself and your baby in danger by going against their recommendations? Are you taking a chance it's not worth it by not just having the C-section? It's a scary spot to be in. I don't discount that at all. I know it's hard to weed through what's the truth and what's not. But one of the best weapons against that fear is knowledge. So let's talk about some things that you need to know about C-sections heading into your pregnancy, and your labor time. 
First of all, let's talk about what is a C-section and what is involved. A C-section is a surgical removal of your baby from your uterus. It involves incisions across several layers of your flesh that are going to later, of course, be sewed back up. You will be either numbed or, in rare cases, put to sleep under general anesthesia if it's a true emergency. Your arms will be tied to boards to keep them still and to allow IV access to the anesthesia provider who will be standing up there close to your head. There will be a drape between your face and your midsection, so you really can't see too much what's going on down there. You just know the people are there. You can see their heads, but you can't really tell what's going on. Your husband will be allowed in with you unless you are put to sleep for that situation of a true emergency. You will likely feel some tugging and movement of your body, even if you are numb. Now, what I mean by movement is not you moving, but you will feel your body being moved around as they are doing the things that they have to do. You will likely hear, sadly, about the doctor's weekend plans or their fantasy football team or what their daughter's getting into next weekend because, unfortunately, they often forget that you're there. Your baby may be allowed to be skin to skin with you if you request it after birth, but often the baby is taken straight to a warmer and the nurse will start doing the things that she has to do. You will have a catheter put into your bladder to drain your urine since you will be numb. And that's kind of just scratching the surface a little bit of kind of what a C-section's like, because if you've never had one, you've never had one. And so you really don't know what to expect. So that's kind of just, you know, very shallow level coverage of what happens during a C-section. Now let's talk about the risks of a C-section. Now, none of the things I'm going to list off here today are exhaustive lists. These are just top level things that come to mind. There are obviously going to be other situations that perhaps I don't list off, but I want to at least give you an idea. Let's talk about the risks of a C-section. And this is just a primary C-section. We're not looking at what happens in future C-sections, anything like that. We will talk about that later when we move on to VBAC. But the risk of just having a C-section alone on that pregnancy alone. First of all, a C-section is a major abdominal surgery. Major. In our world today, it has been passed off as being no big deal. But it is a major abdominal surgery where you are opened up from the outside deep into your insides And so with that comes pain, more pain than comes with a vaginal birth because all of your muscles are being manipulated and moved around. I say all of them, all of them in that area. And so there's just some pain that comes with that. There is flesh that has been cut open that then has to heal. There's pain that comes with that. So you can expect that there will be more pain with a C-section than there would be with a vaginal birth. There's also a greater risk of infection from various sources. You can have a urinary tract infection from that catheter that I mentioned. You can have infection in the incision, the place where your skin and the other layers are cut, or you can have infection inside of your uterus when the uterus is open and things are being done. If bacteria gets in there that sets in and festers, it can lead to infection. So Because your outer layer of skin and then subsequent layers are being cut open, you have a higher risk of infection just simply because it's now open to the outside world and it usually isn't. There's also a risk for injury. What that means is things can get hurt 
that originally would not have been impacted. So for instance, you know, the doctor is cutting through your skin and then your muscle and your fascia and your uterus with a very, very sharp scalpel. And if he gets too close, he or she gets too close to something else, like perhaps your bowel and nicks it, or maybe gets too close to your baby and nicks your baby. Cuts and things like that can happen. And depending on where they are, will depend on how severe of an issue that is. If your bowel gets nicked, then you can have lots of huge problems. If it's just a little skin issue, you know, maybe it's not as big of a problem. It just kind of depends on where it's at, but it can happen and it does happen. There's also a risk of having a preterm baby. If your dates are wrong, say you had a plan C-section that was scheduled before your labor had started on its own. If your dates are wrong and we know that so-called due dates are really just guest dates, they can be off by as much as two weeks. So if you thought you were 37 weeks and you're really 35, then now you have a preterm baby that would most likely not have come on its own yet because it just wasn't time yet. So that is a risk that you can have. Also, you'll tend to have more breastfeeding difficulties for various reasons. One, because of the pain just from having the baby near your belly, which hurts. Also from separation, if the baby is taken to the nursery or things like that, and you are not able to have that first golden hour of bonding in nursing it impacts your future feeding and the establishment of breastfeeding. It can impact the baby's health because the baby is not passing through the vaginal canal as it normally would be. And it can cause the baby to have difficulty transitioning to breathing outside air because it didn't get that good squeeze coming through the canal. And so there might still be fluid or things like that that are left in the lungs that normally get squeezed out pretty good during a vaginal birth. A couple of other risks that I just want to touch on here that aren't really about this particular pregnancy, but can impact other ones is once you've had a C-section, you have a greater chance in future pregnancies of placenta malformations, meaning it doesn't form correctly or it forms over the scar where the previous incision was and it can cause the placenta to go through the wall in a way that is unnatural and can cause very, very serious problems in future pregnancies. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about VBACs. And it also can cause you to be unable to have a vaginal birth in the future if that's if you happen to live in an area that it's banned or you can't find a provider to support you. So those are some pretty big risks to think about. Now, sometimes a C-section is needed. And sometimes, especially in an emergency situation, as we mentioned, it can be life-saving. So let's talk about what are some real viable indications for a C-section because when you're weighing risk and benefit, you always want to look at is the risk you're taking worth the benefit? Because if you're truly saving your baby's life, then extra pain or maybe a potential infection is probably going to end up being worth it to you because you would rather deal with extra pain than have your baby die. But if it's not a real risk or if you decide that the risk, if if the C-section is not being done for something life-saving, Maybe it's not worth the risk. So let's look at what are some real viable indications for a C-section. And again, this list is not exhaustive, but it's going to give you a good idea of the seriousness of the things that may call for a C-section. One thing is a complete placenta previa at term. That means basically that the placenta has formed over 
your cervix, which is the hole that has to open for the baby to come out. If the placenta is there, a baby's not going to come out there. You're going to have to have a C-section. Another reason would be a transverse lie when you are completely dilated. Not earlier than that because babies can change position during labor. And so just because the baby's transverse at the beginning of labor doesn't mean that it won't flip and get head down before the labor completes. So, but when you're complete and it's time to push, if the baby's still transverse, that means when I see transverse, I mean, it's kind of laying crossways. Like it's got an elbow or a shoulder or something at your cervix trying to come out that way. Obviously a baby is not going to come out that way. And if there's, if you're not able to manipulate the baby into a either head down or butt down position, you're not going to be able to have that baby vaginally. Another emergency reason for a C-section is something called a prolapsed cord. That means that the baby's cord has come out above its head and it is not safe to deliver a baby that way because as the baby's head comes down, it is going to completely occlude its blood supply and it's just not going to, it's not going to be good for the baby. And very often the baby could die in that process. So that would be one true emergency when you do need to have a C-section. And if you're in that situation, you're going to find real quick that things get really um, shall we say hectic really fast because you're having to hold the baby's head off of its cord. And that's a hard thing to do for very long. So it's a pretty quick C-section in that case. And very often those will be the ones that you'll end up with a general anesthesia that I mentioned earlier. Another indication is a placenta abruption. That means that the placenta breaks away from the uterine wall before labor is complete, before the baby is born. And so that is a true indication for C-section, a, a true emergency, I should say. Something called eclampsia or HELP syndrome, which is going to be kind of beyond the scope of this, but basically it's when preeclampsia goes to its extreme and you get very, very sick very, very fast. And in those situations, usually often you'll have the chance to have an induction to try to have a vaginal birth, but depending on how bad it gets and how fast, you might not have time for that. And so a C-section may be needed then. True fetal distress, meaning the baby's heart rate is down too far and no interventions from the outside are making it get any better. That can be a life-saving situation when a C-section would truly be needed. A uterine rupture, which can happen even if you've never had a baby before. It's very, very rare, but it can happen. Or if you've had a C-section before, if the uterus, if the, if the prior incision starts to open up, then that would be a need for a C-section. Um, it's not always catastrophic. Doesn't mean that your uterus just completely blows apart, but it can just mean it, you know, it starts to have a little window to where it's opening up. And there are signs that we'll see during labor, usually that that's happening. And if that should happen, that would be a reason for a C-section. And then finally, a breech baby after labor starts that has an, a, what's called a hyperextended neck, meaning think if you're looking straight up at the ceiling to where the chin's pointing out, a breech baby like that is going to get stuck coming out usually in a way that's very hard to correct. Now you'll notice that I didn't say all breech babies, and that is because breech babies can be born vaginally safely if, if you have a provider who is trained to safely deliver a breech baby. And they do exist. And many of you know that I attended a twins breech conference about a month ago now in Louisville. And I was in a room with 100 some odd providers, most of whom attend breech births 
as a matter of practice. And those people are, are just a small representation of who else is out there. So I tell you that to give you encouragement that just because you have a breech baby does not mean that you have to have a C-section if you can get yourself to where a trained provider is. Now, we won't get into the fact that OBGYNs who train, who claim to be the experts don't know how to deal with a situation that can affect as much as 30% of the population. It's a normal thing. It happens. But most providers are not trained to handle something that is really just a variation of normal. But I digress. Let me get back on topic. Let's look at, so we looked at all the reasons why there are a lot of the reasons why you might have a real reason for a C-section. Let's look at what are some not good reasons. As I mentioned, breech. A breech baby whose head is not hyperextended does not have to be born by C-section if you are being supported by a provider who knows how to manage these kinds of labors. A big baby, quote, big baby. Very often, you will be scared into a C-section by a provider who says that you have a big baby. This is not a good reason. God does not put a baby in you that is too big to get out. The bigger factor is how your labor is managed and how you manage your own pregnancy leading up to birth. And these are all things that we really dig into in the course. I want you to understand that. I can't go into every little detail because there's so, so much there. But there's a lot of things that you can do leading up to the third trimester of your pregnancy and then your birth that can make things like big babies no big deal if they're in the right position and you've been doing the right things. And those are the kind of things that we really dig into in the course. Another reason for not having a C-section or, or excuse me, another not so great reason to have a C-section is that they scare you because it's a small baby. They'll maybe make you think that something is wrong. And sometimes it can be that something's wrong, but sometimes it could be just that you make small babies. That's not an automatic reason to need a C-section. And finally, another not good reason to have a C-section is just because you had a prior C-section. If you don't miss, or excuse me, if you don't fit into those categories we talked about before in the real reasons for C-section, there is a very good chance that you can have a vaginal birth after a C-section without it really even being a big deal because vaginal birth is the normal way for a baby to come out. Now, yes, you have an incision in your uterus now from a previous C-section, but that doesn't mean that you aren't able to have a birth automatically. It doesn't automatically mean that you can't have a vaginal birth. I'm sorry, that didn't come out very clearly, but hopefully you're still with me. Remember that rate at the farm? 96.8%. That's almost everyone that wanted to have a V back there was able to have one because they were being supported by providers who understood it and supported it and did not undermine the mom at every turn and place fear into her head to where she didn't think she could do it. And that's really the root of why so many VBACs are found to be failed VBACs because all that fear is in there. It's been lying underneath everything that's been discussed all through pregnancy to where the moms are terrified. And when you're terrified leading into labor, it's not a good place to be. And it's not a good foundation for having the successful feedback that you want when you're provide, excuse me, when you're supported by a provider who truly believes in feedback and truly supports it, that fear's not going to be there because you're going to know 
that you have been well prepared and that you have a provider who knows how to handle your situation. Real quick before we wrap up for today, let's look at some ways to avoid an unnecessary C-section. Number one, be very, 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 very careful in selecting your practitioner. Go back and find the episode of all the questions to ask when you're choosing your provider. And really, really take your time and make a good choice. Be very, number two, be very, 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 very careful in selecting your birth location. Because even if your provider supports it, if you've chosen a hospital that has a VBAC ban that you aren't aware of, then that can be another problem. Now, you should figure that out on some level just because not all practitioners can go just to any hospital because they only have privileges at certain places. And so usually if a practitioner supports VBAC, they're going to be practicing in a place that will allow them to do them. But you just want to double check and make sure that, you know, you're not 37 weeks and you thought you were going to have a VBAC, but come to find out your hospital won't allow them. Number three, focus intently on your nutrition before and during pregnancy. This means giving your body God's best, giving it the foods that he designed for your body to have so that your body is developing as healthy as possible during the pregnancy and that your baby is as healthy and strong as possible so that the things that can pop up during labor are less likely to pop up. Number four, and this is a big one because this is the one that catches a lot of people I I just, I can't even tell you how many times I can just predict the road that is happening when I hear, well, they scheduled me for an induction because of this or that or the other. It, without fail, an induction is a automatic increase in the risk of an unnecessary C-section by about 30%. It will set you up for the cascade of interventions that ends in an OR. I'm just telling you, wait for labor to start on its own in just about every situation. There are a few exceptions. We can't go into those today, but I need you to know that God knows when your baby is supposed to be born. And if you will wait for your body to go into labor on its own, your chance of having a successful vaginal birth increases so much because it basically means that everything's primed, everything's ready, your cervix is ready to dilate, your baby's in a good position, and things are just going to work better than if you're inducing because by definition, if you are inducing, that means your body's not ready to be in labor yet. Sometimes you're able to kickstart it and get things going, but it's never going to be as it should have been. It's never going to be as natural as it would have been. So if you can avoid that induction, that alone is going to drop your chances of having an unnecessary C-section. Beyond that, the best way to avoid a C-section is to be well prepared throughout your pregnancy for the ways to keep yourself low risk and to stay inside of God's design. And the course I teach is 100% focused on that very thing. I want more than anything for you to have the birth that God designed for you to have. He made your body for this. 
he made your baby for you. He made your baby to be able to come out of you. And when you work with his design and you work with the way that he made you and don't work against it, sometimes we're working against our bodies in ways that we don't even realize it. And so when you realize what those ways are and you learn how not to do them and you learn how to work with your body's design and the way that he designed it, you increase your chances to have the vaginal birth that you want. Almost no one, listen to this, listen to me. Almost no one under the sound of my voice will truly need a C-section. Only 1.7% of the moms at the farm over 40 years needed a C-section. That means 98.3% did not. And they are not special and their uteruses and their pelvises are not just that wonderful better than yours. It's just that they are properly supported. When you receive the proper information, the proper education, and the proper support, you can have the birth that you wanted. So while at the farm, only two out of every 100 needed a C-section, out in the rest of the world, 32 out of 100 will have one. So how are you going to keep yourself out of that 32? How are you going to do it? Because I guarantee you those 32 mamas out of every 100 don't go into the hospital thinking, yay, I'm going to have a C-section. Some of them do know they're going to have a C-section, but most of them aren't anticipating it. They don't think they're going to be the one. And furthermore, most of them, even after they have their C-section, don't realize that it was unnecessary. It's up to you to own your care and to own your pregnancy and to prepare yourself to not end up as one of those statistics. So how are you going to do it? I would love to help you. There are two ways that you can work with me to decrease your chances of ending up as one of those statistics. The first one is the replay course, which is available now. It is all access automatic as soon as you sign up you can go back and listen to the the little blurb at the first of the episode or you can just go over to the website and it'll have tons of information for you there going to the website doesn't mean you're automatically signing up just you can go check out all the information and that's at yourbirthgodsway.com slash replay course you're going to get all the information you need there or if you would rather have some one-on-one help with me in a setting where I specifically look at your situation, your specific details and sit down one-on-one on a call where I help you through whatever situation applies to you, you can do that too. You can go to the website, click on Power Hour and go down and sign up for a Midwife and Me Power Hour and you will get one hour undivided attention from me addressing exactly what you're needing to help you in your pregnancy to have the birth that you're wanting God's way. So those are two great ways to invite me into your pregnancy. I would love to help you. That's what I'm here for. This whole podcast, the whole purpose is for me to help you have the birth that God wants you to have, that God designed you to have. And I would love to help you in any way that I can 
to achieve that. So go to the website, yourbirthgodsway.com, and you can check all of that out. The website's finally up live. It took me a while to get it there, but it's there. It's live, and it's all for you. So just let me know which one of those you're wanting to take advantage of so that we can make sure as much as is possible that you are having your birth God's way, the way you're dreaming of it. And I will see you right back here next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.